This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about revisiting the Roth conversion. You know, with the tremendous downturn that the stock market had during the first quarter of 2020, along with the passage of the CARES Act, which is also the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act that was passed on March 27th of 2020, it really has created an environment where I believe it is time to revisit the concept and the inner workings and the strategy behind Roth conversions. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to identify how they work and uh, visit about strategy and where it might come in for you. And if it is something that you think is a viable option for you, then I highly encourage you to reach out to one of our advisors to talk about your personal situation, and then we can get some advice to you on what might make the most sense. All right. So first of all, let's talk about Roth conversions in general. Now, there's two big things that I want to point out have changed even before the CARES Act happened when it comes to legislation regarding Roth conversions. So you might think these rules still apply, but these are a couple things that don't apply anymore. It used to be that the taxpayer had to have income under $100,000 to convert. That is no longer true. There's no income limitation for people when it comes to converting to a Roth IRA. One of the other things, though, that has changed is it used to be that if you converted and then you decided later that year that you wished you wouldn't have done that, you could undo it. But the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 actually repealed the ability to recharacterize your Roth conversion. So now, if you do this, you're stuck with it. You cannot undo it. So you do have to understand how they work, and you have to decide whether or not this actually makes sense in your particular portfolio. So let's kind of talk about um, Roth conversions in general. So in Roth IRAs, the investments in Roths grow tax-deferred, and the distributions of both the money you put in and any earnings you have can come out tax-free, providing certain requirements are met. And I don't know about you listening to this, but tax-free is absolutely my favorite kind of money. (laughs) So anytime I can build tax-free money, I am all over whether or not that's something that I want to take advantage of. So Another thing that's interesting about Roth IRAs is that there are no required minimum distributions that come out of them. So unlike traditional IRAs where you do have to start taking out a certain amount once you hit age 72, the Roth IRAs don't have any rules that while you're alive makes you take money out of them. So not only are they excellent ways to build up tax-free money for you, but they're also really strong pieces of a strategy to pass money down to the next generation in a tax-favored way. Now, what are those requirements that are met? The requirements are that you have to have your Roth IRA in place for five years, and 
you have to be over 59 and a half before you start taking the earnings out. Now you can take the principal back out because that money didn't have any tax breaks when it went in, but it's if you take the earnings out before five years or before 59 and a half, then all of a sudden you are gonna have some penalties on them. So really you have to make sure that you understand those rules and those requirements. Now, if you pass away and you own a Roth IRA, your spouse who inherits it can roll it over to their own personal Roth IRA and they don't have to take required minimum distributions either. They can still take it out anytime they want to and it'll be tax free as long as the requirements you know, were met. However, it does not have to have required minimums. Now, if the person inheriting your Roth IRA is not your spouse, let's say it's your children, then non-spouse beneficiaries have to take that money out of the Roth IRA at any time and at any pace, as long as it's completely distributed by the end of 10 years following the death of the original owner. So it could be something where they take it out in an income stream, or it could be something that they leave it fully invested, and then when they're ready to take it out towards the end of that 10-year period, they take it all out in a lump. But The nice thing about it is it can create a very significant amount of tax-free money for either you, your spouse, or the next generation. Okay, so that's how the Roth IRAs work. Now let's talk a little bit about the conversion side of it. When an amount is converted, the value at the time of conversion is subject to ordinary income tax. That is super important for you listening to this to understand. You will pay taxes on anything that you do a conversion on, and it's at an ordinary income tax rate. Sometimes I have people say to me, well, I put money in my IRA and I've lost money on it, so I have a loss here, and when I convert it, uh, I will get to take the loss, and that is not the way that it works. 100% of the money in a traditional IRA has not had taxes paid on it yet, so 100% of the money coming out of that type of IRA is going to have taxes due on it, and that is why when you do a conversion, then you have to pay taxes on it. So strategically speaking, everybody is different. We don't know how much it's going to make sense for you to do a conversion on. It could be a little, it could be a lot, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this show. But you do have to understand that it is subject to ordinary income tax, but a conversion is not subject to the 10% early distribution penalty tax that most of the time happens when you take money out of an IRA before you're 59 and a half. Now, if you withdraw converted amounts from the Roth IRA within five years of the conversion, then that would be subject to the 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half, and none of the other exceptions to the early distribution penalty apply. So if you're gonna do a conversion, you better be fairly sure you don't need to touch this money for at least five years. That is one significant thing, so you don't end up creating a problem based off something that you did earlier on. Now, let's talk a little strategy about this. The current low income tax rates that we have right now in 2020, they are set to sunset in 2026, okay? The current tax rates that we have are set 
to sunset. And what that means is it will revert back to the higher income tax rates we had before the 2017 tax cuts. So when you think about doing Roth IRA conversions, it means that the window of opportunity for doing the conversions with low tax rates is open now through 2025. That is your window. So you have the next five years, according to today's current law, to really determine if and when this strategy really is something that applies to you. Now, generally speaking, it only makes sense to convert to a Roth if the income tax can be paid from a source other than the converted account. And so here's what I mean by that. Let's say you have an IRA and it has $20,000 in it. And let's say you wanna convert $10,000 of it. Now you're gonna owe taxes on $10,000. You would want to have money sitting in your savings account, excess cash somewhere, to pay the taxes on that $10,000 conversion. What you don't wanna have to do is convert $11,000 to be able to pay tax on the 10000 and use that extra 1000 to pay the taxes. That creates a situation where you could have penalties and it can create a situation where the mathematics of the conversion takes so much longer to actually become beneficial to you that it frequently doesn't make sense to do it that way. So the real trick here is to make sure that you have cash somewhere that you can use to cover the taxation of a decision to do a Roth conversion. Okay, there is a very interesting thing happening right now, though, especially if you are a business owner. And if you are a business owner of what's called a pass-through entity, like sole proprietorships, partnerships, LLCs, or S-corporations, the CARES Act actually added some new flexibility for you where if you have a loss in your business you can carry it back to prior years and there used to be a cap on doing some of the loss changes like that and the CARES Act took away the cap on that. So if your business is going to experience a significant loss this year this could be a great year for you to think about doing a conversion in where you're going to have to pay taxes on gain, right? Ordinary income is going to be on the gain side. Business loss is on the loss side. So it might be a good year to do a conversion if you have a business loss. And let's face it, right now we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. And there are a lot of businesses out there that are highly likely to post a loss for this year. That is why we're talking about revisiting the concept of Roth conversions. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named the 2020 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list for the third year running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about revisiting the Roth IRA conversion concept. We've talked about how Roth IRAs work, we've talked about how conversions in general work, and now I want to share with you a rule to be aware of. This is a hidden gotcha that sometimes reaches out and grabs people, and it's an unexpected negative tax consequence of this. It's called the pro rata rule. 
It's commonly overlooked when people are converting from an IRA to a Roth. And here's the thing. The pro rata rule says that you can't just say that I'm going to take X percent of one IRA that I have out of three IRAs that I own, and I'm going to convert that particular piece of it, and then I'm going to be able to have this um you know, benefit me tax wise. The reality is that everything is pro rata. It requires that all of your IRAs, SEPs, SIMPLES be aggregated in doing a Roth IRA conversion. All pre-tax and after-tax IRAs have to be added together. And then you calculate a percentage, how much of the total is pre-tax and how much is after-tax. The percentages then are multiplied against the amount to be converted. Now, that probably sounds like a lot of gobbledygook, but here's the thing is that sometimes people are doing what's called a backdoor Roth strategy, where they're putting money into an IRA that's non-deductible, then they're converting it. If you do that, the the non-deductible IRA isn't going to have the taxes due on it because you never deducted the money in the first place. That works really well for a lot of people if that's the only traditional IRA you have is the non-deductible one. Where this pro rata rule becomes a problem is this, is if you have this money that you're putting into a non-deductible IRA, let's say that it's $5,000, and then you have another $95,000 traditional IRA in a different account, if you think you're going to convert the $5,000 and pay zero tax on the conversion, that is where the pro rata rule will bite you. What you have to do is add together your values, so your 5,000 plus your 95,000, and so basically you're converting 5% of the account values, so 5% of the conversion is non-taxable and 95% of the conversion is gonna be taxable. That's the pro rata rule that you have to be really careful about. So how do you handle that then there is actually a really quirky strategy you can do to handle that if what you're trying to do is kind of a tax play. You can actually roll in some of your money to your 401k and that's excluded from the formula. So you could temporarily roll money into your 401k that hasn't been taxed yet, leaving only the non-deductible or untaxed portion in your IRA somewhere and then do a conversion. Now, you're definitely going to have to talk to your tax preparer before you do this because there's all kinds of like pitfalls and problems that you could run into. You also have to make sure your 401k carrier isn't going to hold that money hostage and not let it come back out, not let it roll back out to a traditional IRA. But it's one way to get around the pro rata rule. What you have to think about in the pro rata rule is think about it like cream in your coffee. And that was popularized by a CPA named Ed Slott, who's one of the foremost, you know, known experts on IRA strategic planning. And Ed Slott tells you to think about your IRAs like cream in the coffee. Once, Once any dollar is inside an IRA, it's like putting a drop of cream in your coffee. It's really hard to separate that cream back out of your coffee because once it's in there, it's fully mixed in. And that's what IRAs are like and SEPs and simples and things like that. So beware of that rule so you don't do a conversion and get bitten by the pro rata bug. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about spouses. So a spouse can convert an inherited IRA. So if you are someone who's inherited your spouse's traditional IRA, 
then you can convert that to a Roth IRA. So it's a little trickier for non-spouses. They're not really able to convert inherited IRAs to Roth IRAs. It doesn't work that way. But the spouses can. So keep that in mind when you're doing your planning. Okay, so we've talked a lot about how all of this works. Now let's get down to the fun part, which really is the strategy. I mean, what would you want to do? Why would you want to do this? How would you want to do this? What's the best thing that's going to be for you? Now, of course, in a show like this, I can't offer blanket advice. I definitely would say you need to talk to one of our advisors to figure out what is the right thing for you to do. But in general, here's the reasons to think about revisiting the Roth conversion topic. Number one, your tax bracket has a likelihood of being higher in the future. And that's not just for the reason I talked about earlier, where we know the tax brackets are going to sunset in 2026. This recent amount of money that the government has injected into the country to help bail people out, bail companies out during the coronavirus pandemic, at some point in time, there is going to be some level of reckoning. Now, I'm not saying that's all going to get paid back through taxation, but I think there's a pretty high likelihood that some of it will. So the if you thought in the past that taxes are likely to go up in the future, I think it's even more likely now that they're going to go up in the future. So if you're going to do a conversion to create tax-free income, when would you want to do it? probably in the next five years while tax brackets are lower. Why would you want to do it? Because if you have plenty of time for that money to grow and and that money can come out tax-free versus taxable, that's even more valuable later in a time frame where the tax brackets would have gotten higher. So it's kind of a double benefit when you think about it like that. Now, you do have to think about how soon you're going to need the money for the Roth IRAs. There's definitely an advantage to time in the market. So the advantage goes to younger people or people who aren't going to use the money for quite some time. Remember the rules of the Roths that you have to keep in mind, but the longer you have until the time frame you're going to need to use that money, a stronger contention it is for you to think about doing a Roth IRA conversion. All right, now let's talk about how you're going to pay taxes on that conversion. I think it's very interesting to be thinking about how this can happen right now. So normally, like I said, you're going to have to pay ordinary income tax on the conversion. So one strategy is to convert just enough each year to stay in your current tax bracket. We call that bracket bumping, where you figure out how much room you have left in your current tax bracket and you convert just enough to bump to the next bracket, but not over the line into the next bracket. So that's something that you definitely have to have your CPA and your advisor collaborate on because your CPA is going to have to tell you what that number is likely to be and then your advisor can help you with the conversion. Making smaller conversions over time like that with the bracket bumping concept can be a really good way over the next five years to convert a larger chunk of money without taking a massive tax hit in any one particular year. Now, we also talked about offsetting your conversion income with the loss from a pass-through business entity, and that is something that's very interesting right now that hasn't been on the table from a tax strategy before. So if you have a pass-through business, like I said, sole proprietorship, partnership, LLC, or S-corp, you really want to have a conversation to determine if this is the right thing for you to do. 
So another thing is you may have other deductions or tax credits to offset the increased income from the conversion. So there are certain things happening right now that are creating unique tax situations for people. If you find yourself with a significant tax credit, you may want to determine how much you could convert of your IRA and utilize that tax credit to cover the cost of the conversion. Okay, when you are thinking about legacy planning, that's another big piece of strategy that I wanna talk about because like I said, your spouse can keep it characterized as a Roth for the rest of their life and not have to take required minimum distributions and your children have up to 10 years to distribute it. So you can actually have a lot of money growing in a tax-free type of characterization for a long period of time. And as we all know, it's time in the market that creates growth and wealth. We can't time the market, but time in the market helps create growth and wealth. Okay, another thing that you can think about when it comes to the Roth IRA planning is that we have some interesting things happening right now with money that can come out of your retirement accounts and be paid back over the course of three years. Now that's different than an actual conversion, but what you see some people doing are taking money out of their retirement accounts right now and moving it into IRAs and then doing a conversion. So if your plan, your retirement plan, doesn't have a Roth IRA Roth 401k option, or your retirement plan does not allow conversions inside the retirement plan, the CARES Act has given us a window of opportunity that if you have had negative impact by the coronavirus from a financial standpoint, you can actually pull up to $100,000 out of your retirement account and you can do a 60-day rollover into an IRA, and then you can convert the IRA. So it's kind of a double-step process, but according to everything that we've read, there isn't any limitations to doing that. What we are seeing is some people are getting caught off guard with state tax withholdings. Federal taxes are not mandatorily withheld, but sometimes the state taxes are. So for instance, in the state of Iowa, it's a 5% mandatory withholding. So if you wanted to take $100,000 out of your 401k, you're only going to get a check for $95,000 because $5,000 is going to the state taxes. Now, of course, you're going to get that back when you settle up and do your taxes next year. But if you only put the $95,000 back into an IRA, you're still going to have a $5,000 taxable distribution. So there's some quirkiness to the rules because of state planning with that. All right, I think I've given you a lot of examples of why strategically this could be a good idea right now. And we hope that this episode of thinking about revisiting the Roth IRA conversion concept has been valuable for for you as a listener. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stern. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. 
Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Stirk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.